you to the book of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, and then I'll also be going to the book of Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to do my best to recognize, amen, that uh, I am at a youth meeting, and I will try to be cognizant of the time, but more importantly, I want to obey God. I want to mind God. And uh, we had Brother Don Mead Jr. preach for us in Sulphur last night. And he said, I'm trying to be known as being short-winded. Well, it's too late for me. It's too late for me. And, uh, but if we could have a move of God and hear something from the Spirit. Come on, how many is going to open up your heart? Praise God to what the Spirit would say. From the very, I don't know when it was, Brother Clay called several months ago. And immediately this message came to my mind. And I have thought, felt after another thing or two, wanting to be sure, but always coming right back to where we are at this point right now. And so I want the Holy Ghost to help us, and He will. I have all confidence in Him. Praise God. Praise God. I'm not looking for God's confirmation on me today, but I am looking for Him to confirm His Word with signs following at the conclusion of this service tonight. Exodus chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. The Word of God says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside. I wonder if you'd say those five words with me. I will now turn aside and see this great sight by the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. I believe the Lord is watching and observing and is looking to see who is willing to turn aside. And when he saw that he had turned aside, he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6. Blessed are they which do hunger. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for the folks that are hungry and the folks that are thirsty shall, if I say shall, they shall be filled. Can we lift our voices and our hearts to the Lord? Reach out to Him with all of your heart right now. Come on, clutch that Word of God close to you and let's reach out to Jesus with all that's in us. Lord God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, O oh precious God. We desire that your great work would be accomplished. I need your anointing, Lord. Without you, O oh God, I can do nothing. But Lord, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We're desiring the working of your Spirit would be accomplished. We come against every spirit of hell ever hindering spirit every unclean spirit right now by the authority of the word of God by the power that's in the name of Jesus Lord let the Holy Ghost let your spirit have free course in this place today and accomplish your purpose and we'll give you praise and glory for all things in Jesus name now could we clap our hands and lift up our voices come on somebody shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I don't hear you. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, young folks. This is about you tonight. Lift up your voice. 
Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me say before I begin that I do not buy into the idea that today's young people do not have the same potential as previous generations. I said I don't buy into that. Amen. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Flesh is still flesh, but God's power still remains and it still exists. And hunger and desire and thirst are key, amen, to you getting what you need from the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight about the moment of truth. The moment of truth. One more time, clap your hands to the Lord. Give it. God bless you, and you may be seated. Our primary goal, amen, in this life is our personal salvation. Our primary goal is salvation. But the primary purpose of our lives must be developing an attitude and a life of usefulness to God. Our primary, let me repeat that, our primary purpose is to be useful to God, to spend and to be spent for the kingdom of God is the most rewarding and fulfilling of life's choices. In fact, that is exactly what we were designed to do because when Jesus described his people, his children, can I say the young people that are here today, he said, ye are the salt of the earth and ye are the light of the world. The salt must not lose its savor and become ineffective and useless. The light, man, must not be hidden under a bushel, but it must be placed on the candlestick giving light to the entire room. The light must be shown before men that will in turn give glory unto God. Amen. He said you are salt and you are light. In other words, you make a difference. You do not blend in. You are different and you make a difference. This is the purpose of any individual who is endeavoring to live for God to make a difference and be useful for the kingdom of God. What captivates our attention and what captivates our energy says a lot about us as individuals. Even as a young shepherd boy, David was obviously captivated and enthralled by the presence of God. It was his goal. It was his desire. It was his hunger. And in his lifetime, David wrote such things as, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David went on to write words such as, One thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after. I'm not just desiring it, but I'm going to seek after it that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. It was that same young man that wrote, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. Amen. A thousand days spending doing whatever you can imagine. David's attention and uh, was so tuned toward God and he was so captivated by the presence of God that he said, I would rather just spend one day at church than a thousand days of doing anything else that I can imagine. 
Amen. He said, I'd rather just be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. It was that same young man that wrote, as a heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Amen. His hunger was obvious. His desire was forefront in his life. You couldn't be around David for very long at all to gain an understanding of what he, he was passionate about and what he was in love with. And can I tell we, you young people and us middle-aged and the elders in this house today that our adherence to that first and great commandment speaks volumes, and that is, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. Can I remind somebody here in this house today that if Jesus Christ is not able to be foremost, first, primary, first place in your life, then he refuses to be anything else. Love the Lord with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. Can we clap our hands and give the Lord some praise here this evening? Jesus made it very clear where our attention, our interest, our energy, and our allegiance should be. For in Matthew 6, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the other things would be added unto us. To a man who simply wanted to say farewell to his family, Jesus replied, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looked back, is fit for the kingdom of God. I believe I'm preaching to a group of young people here this evening. Amen. That you have somewhere in your heart. There is a hunger and there is a desire and there is a longing. And I want to challenge that to come to the forefront of your spirit in this service tonight. You do not have to be the status quo. You should not just be another person walking through life without purpose and without meaning, amen, and without spiritual hunger and desire and goal. But there is something that each one of you can get a hold of in this youth weekend, in this youth meeting that says, I refuse to go back to the mundane. It just requires a hunger. It just requires a sincere desire that says, take me, Lord, and make me into what you would have me to be. Oh, come on, let's love the Lord with all of our hearts right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our interest, our priority, our investment, our captivation, our attraction, our hunger, our compulsion to and for the things of God is of utmost importance for our personal salvation and for our usefulness to God. I don't want to get ahead of myself here today, but let me just say this. We are living in a world that is in trouble. We're living in a time and in an age, amen, that our entire civilization and society is spiraling out of hand, amen, and on a downward trajectory every day that we live. And so we as the church of the living God cannot afford for one moment or one day to sit idly by and say, well, just let it be as it is. Oh, no, we've got world changers in this house. We've got school changers in this place today. But it's all about your level of hunger and your level of desire. Pastor can't do it for you. 
Mama can't do it for you. Youth director can't do it for you. But somewhere, and I'm not preaching in a foreign language, I hope, here tonight. But somewhere in our lives, there's got to be our own personal crucifixion and our own altar and our own cross that we lay before God and we say, here am I. Use me. Take me. Make me into what you would have for me to be. Oh, let's praise the Lord with all our Let's really love the Lord. Let's really love Him right now. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Moses' attraction to the spiritual. And don't make me qualify everything I'm saying here today. I understand. Oh, help me. You're going to make me preach all night now. Come on, if you just look at me, you're going to make me preach all night. And you ask them folks from Sulphur, I can just about do it, so don't try me now. <laughs> Hallelujah. I understand we're living in a society that's captivated with video games. Amen. And, 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 and mobile devices that are there at the very touch of your finger you can be at the other part of the world but I believe there's a call amen from the throne of God tonight that would say I wonder if anybody's got any time to turn aside and get in my presence and say here I am Lord use me send me Moses' attraction to the spiritual was the moment of truth. It was the final step. Listen to me. Somebody say it with me. The final step. The moment of truth in a series of events that God had observed concerning his life and his usefulness to God's purpose. There was a lot of things that, was in, that were invested in this man that we know as Moses. You see, when all of the other Hebrew boys were being slain, were being killed, Moses was preserved. Moses was preserved for God's purpose. Moses was not preserved, help me Jesus, so he could just do his own thing. Moses was not preserved so he could just walk through life like any other young person and not make a difference. God preserved him for a purpose. In Egypt where male Israelite babies were slain, Moses' life was preserved. And how ironic that God would preserve him in the house of the one who wanted to slay him. That God would use the finances and the food and a bed and a house to live in and the education system of somebody that wanted to destroy him. He would use that to preserve him for his own purpose. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe that we as whatever age group we fall into tonight, it's time for us to throw our excuses out the window and say, hey, there have been others that have been victorious and powerfully used of God in many situations. Now don't make me preach here tonight. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, we live in a blame it on somebody else generation. Just blame my problem on somebody else. It's, it's somebody else's fault. It's because of the way I was raised. It's because of the way somebody treated me. Oh no, I believe it's time we get beyond the excuses and rise to the occasion, the hour, and say, here I am, Lord. I'm going to give it everything I've got. So Moses was preserved for God's purpose. And then the events of Moses' life prepared him. 
You see, it was preservation, and then it was preparation. He was preserved, and then he was prepared. And when Miriam heard him weep, she said, Can somebody go find a nurse for this baby? Amen. When Pharaoh's daughter saw that happen and heard it, and there was Miriam, she said, I can. And she brought Moses right back to his mama. And she nursed him. And she said, Moses, there's just one God. You're going to Egypt to live, but you're not an Egyptian. Amen. You're going to have to see a lot of things that are not going to be wholesome, but there's one thing you need to remember. Moses, when you get down to Egypt and Pharaoh's daughter says that you're her son, you don't have to argue with her, but there's something that's going to be in your heart. You recognize you're a child of God. He was being prepared for the moment. He was getting some doctrine into him. He was getting some understanding about the identity of who God was. And it wasn't going to be all those idols that he was going to be viewing. All of his upbringing, his childhood, his early adult life. Oh no, he had an understanding of who God was. And then he was raised and educated in Egypt and he lived among leaders. And he learned some leadership. You don't live around kings and princes and lords and princesses and all the chief people of a, of a society without picking up some leadership skills. What's going on? He's being prepared. He has been preserved. And now he's being prepared for a purpose. And then he finds himself on the backside of a, of a desert in a wilderness area somewhere teaching or leading and taking care of some sheep. He got doctrine in him. He got some leadership skills in him. And then he got an understanding of how to take care of a flock. How to take care of... You think this was coincidence? You think it was accident? Not on your life, my brother. Not on your life, my sister. Amen. God had not just preserved him, but now he was preparing him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But the big question was yet to come. What will you do at the moment of truth? What will you do, Moses, at the beckoning of the Spirit? What will you do with all of the preservation and all of the preparation? And it brings you to a point and a juncture in your life where it's the moment of truth. It's decision-making time. And in Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible said that Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire. And the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I'm busy taking care of these sheep. I've got to meet my buddies down at such and such place. I've got a career that I'm trying to develop. Man, I've got... I've got all of these natural things that I'm needing and wanting and desiring to take care of. And while this is quite a phenomena that's taking place and there's a bush that is burning and it's not being 
consumed. I'm too busy. I know I've been preserved. And I know that the things of my life have prepared me for this moment. But I'm too much in a hurry. I've got to win the next game. Amen. I've got to compete with my friend on the video game one more time. I'm too busy to adhere to the presence of God and hear the call and understand the beckoning of the Spirit. No, that's not what Moses said. Moses saw the supernatural and he said, I will turn aside. He said, I will turn aside. And can I tell you, that was the moment of truth in Moses' life. I'm preaching to a group of young folks that you've been preserved for this moment. Yeah, man, I don't know all of your background and condition and home life, but I would imagine that the majority of this group that is here tonight, man, that from a child, the Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures have been read in your hearing. Amen, I'm sure there are many that, that have enjoyed the blessings of, of this life such as I've been able to that, the earliest memories of my life have been in the presence of God and, and hearing a preacher preach or a Sunday school teacher. Amen. Tell me something out of the Word of God. I was preserved. I was preserved in this environment. In all of my life, amen, there have been men of God. There have been parents. There have been uh, other mentors in my life that have put things into me that have prepared me, not just preserved, but prepared. And we have not been preserved and prepared for nothing. We've not been prepared and preserved just to walk idly trying to blend in, not make a difference, not not to uh, just, just go along and just go along to get along. Oh, oh no, there's too much invested. There's too much invested. There's been too many preachers that's laid on their face in a carpet. There's been too many parents that has pled before God, use my son, use my daughter. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great thing. And when the Lord saw. I've been watching you, Moses. I've been watching you for a long time. I saw the doctrine that was put in you. I've seen the things that you've encountered and I watched that day as you were lifted up out of that ark of bulrushes in that river. I've been watching you. I saw the preservation. I've seen the preparation. And I'm still watching. And now the moment of truth has come. And when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, then he said, Moses, Moses, all, listen to me now, of the preservation and all of the preparation would have been a lost cause as Moses, had Moses just walked on by. He would have gone through a life of all of those years and all of those trials and all of those things and it would all have been wasted had he said, I'm not interested, but because he was willing to turn aside when the presence of the Lord beckoned for him, when the Spirit of God called him, then God said, Moses, I'm ready to use you now. You have proven yourself now. You have shown me that there is nothing in this world that is more important to you than getting into my presence than getting to where I'm at. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I hope there's some young people that can understand spiritually what I'm talking about in this place. And I hope that there is a hunger and a little flicker that's starting to come alive in somebody's heart today. Amen. That's coming alive in somebody's heart today. Young man that I know, amen, since he was an early teenager, recently accepted the challenge to go on the mission field to Greece. Some of you would know him, Brother Braden Reeves. He's a fine young man. He has excelled in his life. Man, he is he's a certified public accountant. He he has flown around by his company all over the United States meeting with not just the low secretaries, but the executives of, of corporations. He has already excelled in the business world, financially blessed. He meant his wife is a professor uh, of art in Jackson, Mississippi, and, and does sculpture work, and just a very talented uh, couple that has proven themselves and has reached um, the apex of what many would work a lifetime to get to. But Brother Braden Reeves told me on the telephone not too long ago, he said, Brother Morgan, he said, I came to the realization. Now hear me now. Amen. I'm talking about somebody that's already succeeded in life. But he said, I came to the realization that there's more to life than a big paycheck and being able to take my family on a good vacation and then going back and repeating and doing the same thing next year. And his voice broke and he said, whatever it costs, us, whatever it takes the spirit has been beckoning and I'm saying I'm willing to turn aside I'm pleading with somebody we need some young people in this day that says I'm going to be everything I can for God oh somebody reach out to him tonight hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can be seated. The preservation of his life and preparation for usefulness brought him to this point. Amen. I'm asking somebody, do spiritual things attract you enough to cause you to turn aside from whatever you are engaged in? When God saw the answer was yes for Moses, he knew Moses was now ready to be used in our generation. Are we all right? In our generation, there is a need for a revival of spiritual hunger, a revival of spiritual desire. I get weary, brethren, of preaching to people and look at vacant stairs just looking back at me without there seeming to be any spiritual discernment about what's going on. Come on, let's get a fire burning in our soul, a desire and a hunger for the most important thing in life. I'm going to tell you when this world is on fire, when this world is on fire, there's not another thing that's going to matter. The home that you lived in, it's not going to matter. Your career, it's not going to matter. But what's going to matter is did I have a walk with God? Did I know what it felt like to get in the Spirit? Was I willing to say yes when the Lord called? Oh, come on, let's love him, love him, love him. Oh. Oh. I'm telling you, I wish, I wish that spiritual hunger was contagious. I'd get right in your face and breathe in on you so that you could catch it. I'd bleed all over this place uh, hoping you might contract it. I wish spiritual hunger could be obtained by an inject injection. We'd line everybody up um, and give you a shot uh, from that heavenly hypodermic. 
I wish spiritual hunger could be purchased. These preachers would break the bank to get us all a portion. But spiritual hunger doesn't come that way. Come on, let me preach him. There's too many that's been inoculated by the things of this world and familiarity with the Spirit that they've been immunized against spiritual hunger. Oh, but I'm telling you, God is wanting to stir somebody up here today. God is wanting to move in somebody's heart today and give you a fresh start and give you a renewed desire. Come on, there may be somebody in this place tonight that you say, my best days are behind. I'm telling you, the devil's a liar. It's time to get in his presence again. I said it's time to turn aside one more time and say, here I am, send me. Oh, come on, somebody love him, love him, love him. Come on, let your heart reach out to Jesus. You can't buy it in a bottle. I said you can't buy spiritual hunger in a bottle. You can't go to the spiritual store and buy a loaf of spiritual hunger. But spiritual interest and attraction and compulsion and hunger can only be transmitted and imparted by the power of the Spirit the preaching of the word, and the example of other spiritual people. Come on, mama. Don't come crying to the pastor. Because your kids don't worship or pray. If you don't worship or pray. Well, help me, Jesus. Are we still all right? Everybody doing okay? Come on, somewhere, Brother Cox. There's got to be more than just a communication between the pulpit and the pew. There's got to be a transfer of something that says you've got to get some of your pastor's spirit in you. Hallelujah. I heard a man a number of years ago, he preached a message, a tribute to old blue eyes. Anybody know, you elders know who old blue eyes was? Frank Sinatra. What song was he most noted for? I did it my way. It was the night before Christmas and all through the house, not a creature was stirring. I don't want to be a smart aleck, but I ain't a bit scared. I'm going right back to sulfur after church tonight. At some point, we've got to recognize that whatever is going to be accomplished good in our life and whatever is going to be accomplished good in the church, we're going to have to get on board with the man of God that God has put in our life and say, come on, if it's revival time, Pastor, I'm all for revival. If it's prayer meeting time, Pastor, I'm all for prayer meeting. Why? Because i got to get an impartation of that spirituality. Let it start in me. Oh, come on, love him, love him, love him. Oh, help us, Jesus. Hallelujah. We got to want it because we feel it. Amen. I'm going to tell you, when I was a young person, and that wasn't all that long ago, you can be seated if you want to. Let me tell you, I'm just, just talk here a little bit. I get weary of, 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 of the attitude that I see in, in so many places that we go, the dumbing down of our apostolic young people. I said the dumbing down of our apostolic young people as if they don't have the same Holy Ghost that we had when we were young people. Don't tell me that young people just have to be entertained I'm telling you, young people that really got the Holy Ghost, they love apostolic preaching, and they love apostolic prayer meeting, and they love apostolic worship and dancing and shouting. 
And if it's going to be preserved for the next generation, and I believe it will, it'll be because there's some preachers that are still preaching. And there's some parents that are still praying. And there's some young folks that are still worshiping. Getting a hold of the mantle. Getting a hold of the mantle. I got to have what you got. I got to have it. I got to have it. You can be seated. Spiritually hungry. We'll see and experience things that the tepid and the temporal will never know. And I would say that there would be some, even in this crowd tonight, man, of those that are on the front lines and in great apostolic holiness churches that they're probably... Those that are in this crowd today that you're having difficulty tapping in to getting the feeling of what's going on. A lack of that spiritual hunger. Those that lack it, amen, or those that have it will see things and experience things that those who do not will never know. You see, the spiritually hungry man will know what it's like to be awakened with a call to prayer. The spiritually hungry woman will understand the inner urging to go on an extended fast. The spiritually hungry will respond to the call to break forth in worship. They will recognize the burden of the Spirit to witness to a person in need. They will understand the importance of having their spirits knit together with the man of God in their lives. They know the feeling of moving out of the realm of the carnal, amen, into the heavenly presence of the Spirit. The spiritually hungry know what it takes when everything is dry and dusty to have a breakthrough. Travail and intercessory prayer are no strangers to them. They live by the promise as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Our usefulness to the kingdom is not so much based on our preservation and preparation as it is to the moment of truth when it comes. Our interests I said our interest. Oh, help me, Jesus. Our attraction to, our compulsion for, and our hunger toward the things of God. A hungry young person can live for God in undesirable situations. The moment of truth, when it comes and you're walking along the road of life, of your life, and you're making preparations, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go there, I've got this to accomplish. Come on, somebody feel after the Holy Ghost right now. And then all of a sudden, having been preserved and prepared. You come to a moment in time, and it could be on this first night or of this youth meeting. Are there some that could lift your hand today and say it's already happened to me at one point in my life? But our response to that moment will be the determining factor as to whether the Lord then, you see, we don't find that he said, Moses, Moses, until after Moses said, what I'm doing is not as important as the call of the Spirit. You see, I could give many examples of what spiritual hunger will accomplish 
what it will propel you to do. But let me fast forward and just simply ask, what does the call of the Spirit mean to you? What captivates your attention will determine your usefulness and ultimately your salvation. If you didn't hear anything else I said tonight, hear this. If the path that you are traveling, listen, if the path that you are traveling is so important that you are unwilling to turn aside at the beckoning of the Spirit, then that path will take you to hell. I said, if that path that you are walking tonight is so important to you that when Jesus says, come over here and let me put my arms around you, let me put my anointing upon you, let me put my call within you, if the path that you are traveling is more important to you than to take a side road and say, okay, God, I realize this is the most important. If the other things are more important, that path will lead you over the abyss into the eternal flames of a burning hell where there will be writhing and screaming and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. But if you're willing, but if you're willing to say nothing else matters. Nothing else matters as much as when Jesus calls my name. When His Spirit beckons to me, there's nothing more important than me saying, I will turn aside. This pursuit of career is not as important Man, this education is not as important. Oh no, not if God has other plans. I'm willing to turn aside. I'm willing to heed the call. I'm willing to listen to the voice of the Spirit. If you get to that place, it's then that the Lord will call you by name. Moses! Moses! And we stand together. And when God saw that Moses had turned aside, God called unto him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Here am I. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. That old prophet of God was there in the presence of God. And I'm going to tell you, he felt so lowly. He felt so useless. He felt so undeserving. The Lord said, hey, there's a cry, there's a call. There's a need, there's a purpose, there's a plan. Who will go? Prophet said, but Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people that are unworthy. In other words, I don't have it all together. I don't have what it takes to accomplish what needs to be done. But there was a willingness in the heart of that man of God that day. For the Lord tells us that the angel took the tongs. With that tongs, he got a burning coal from off the altar and he touched it to the lips of that prophet. And it was then that the man of God was able to say, Here am I. Here am I. Send me. And I know there's some here today that you're feeling a tugging. I'm feeling a connection in the Spirit right now. You're feeling a tugging. You're feeling an urgency. You're feeling a desire. You're feeling a passion that's being burned in your heart. But you're thinking, I'm unworthy. I'm unable. 
I can't do it by myself. But I'm telling you, there's a coal of fire from the altar that can touch you today, that can give you the anointing that you need. Moses said, God, I can't speak. But Moses, here's a rod. You can do the work of God because I'm going to equip you for it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The moment of truth perhaps has come for some in this place today. You've been preserved. And your life's experiences have prepared you for the place that God has called you to right now. And now there's the flickering fire of a burning bush in the distance. There's a voice of God that's calling to you. There's the supernatural that awaits. There's an anointing that can reside upon you. But what is going to make the difference is your response. Are you willing to turn aside? Are you willing to lay in an altar tonight and say, God, take me and use me? I don't have much to offer but what I've got. I'll give it to you unreserved. I can't speak, I can't talk, I get nervous around people. But Lord, what I do have, I'm willing to lay it on the altar today. I'm willing to turn aside. I wonder, is there somebody hungry? There's a few that are making their way. I wonder if there are others that say, oh, I'm responding to the call today because there's a world that needs to hear the voice of an apostolic young person. There's a world that needs to hear the passion, plea, and cry from the heart of an apostolic young person that says, here's the way. Walk in this way. Oh, come on, somebody cry out to the Lord. Oh, come on, God. It's looking for people who are captivated by His presence so He can use them for His purpose. The half-hearted, disinterested are no use to God's purpose. But those who will fall upon Him and seek for His presence to utilize them for His glory. Come on, lift up your voices and cry out to God. <laughs>